Welcome to the Remedial Film Class Podcast. I'm your host, Dan. And I'm Travis. And I'm George. And George just got back from an all-expense-paid trip to Mars. Or was it all in his Ram Chips? (laughs) What do you think, George? Did we watch Total Recall, or do you just remember watching Total Recall? Mm. I never thought of that. Ooh, ooh, ooh twist it's all a dream this entire day might have been a dream this, this entire year Don't my entire life <laughs> it's all blur shoot we watched <laughs> the matrix 1990 edition yeah right <laughs> yeah pretty much now he's gonna be questioning meg Uh-oh. who are you <laughs> who are you <laughs> you're Get not down. my wife <laughs> <laughs> i love you don't bullshit me <laughs> Arnold's here? Wow. <laughs> Got his first COVID shot, and now he's on our show. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm the governor of California. <laughs> Used to be. There's a few times during the movie where people are like, what are you watching? Because all you hear is... <laughs> <laughs> this is like the <laughs> movie of the uh, of his career. This is peak that noise. <laughs> yes. There's a lot Oh, well, it. yeah. Definitely. <laughs> but I think we're getting ahead of ourselves. George, how you yes. doing, man? Yeah. I'm I'm good, man. And Travis, you, you uh, hanging in there, even though you have to be in the same room as George, who's never seen any movies. Yeah, he's all right. He's good company. Sometimes he rolls his eyes when I show up, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't unless I unless I don't like the movie. Travis right. hates that. Yeah, it's like I know when I know when we're in for a treat. It makes him uncomfortable. He like answers the door and just kind of like waves me in. Surly, <laughs> Surly George like, is the meanest George. We don't yeah. we don't take I, kindly to Surly George. Yeah, I don't get the silence of the lambs, George, too many times. <laughs> that but, one, he's like, come in, let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> closer, please. Yeah, closer, please. <laughs> it's like a vampire. <laughs> it's like, come in. Yeah, it sucks. But we're trying. I we're think trying. in that case, you'd be the vampire if he's yeah, welcoming I you can't. in. This is true. Hmm. 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 You can't come in unless I welcome you in, right? This is true. That's rule number one. Ish. Ish. <laughs> There's a few of those rules. So, George, do you have notes that you want to share, or do you want to just jump into the movie? How are you feeling I, tonight, man? I don't have notes. What? No notes? Okay. No. Well, oh, shit. Tell me your initial impression and of Total Recall. He does not have a beer, so. Oh, no. I do have a beer. <laughs> oh, you do have a beer? Oh, I, I have God. a beer. I have a beer and a water. <laughs> That's good. Mm. Uh, my initial impression... Um, it's a movie. It's not a bad movie. It's not an epic movie. It's a movie. Do you know why we watched it, though? Like, the significance of it? Eyeballs (laughs) coming out of people's heads? (laughs) I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. I mean, it was a different... It was, like, the same plot as the last one kind of where he goes on like a very unique vacation mm-hmm. right only this time he gets stuck in it hmm. or does he or does no he? he definitely does it's the same guy that same people that made or the same director as robocop 
So it kind of has that ah has that satirical feel, but it's not mm. written by the same people. It's written gotcha. by the written by the guy that wrote uh, Blade Runner. So it kind of has, you know, he's like royalty for sci-fi robot. Yeah, I should watch know, Blade Runner. Artificial intelligence, uh, you know, that futuristic thing plus the Westworld vacation. Is it real? Is it not? You know, the the elites, all that stuff. So I is think there, it's all there. Is there a big debate as to whether this was real or not? Like, are there people that are in certain camps or is this not really? There's like... a debate whether it's a Christmas movie or not. No, stop <laughs> it. <Okay. laughs> <laughs> There's too much red. There's not enough green to be a Christmas movie. Yeah. A lot of red. A lot of red. There's not even red. a blue pill. You just, if you don't want to take the red <laughs> pill, you just don't take the red pill. It's, hmm. <sighs> I mean, it's kind of, you know, if you don't make a choice, you've made a choice to not make a choice kind of thing. I mean, okay, sure. Mm. Kind of digging it. Although the red pill in this movie was kind of the opposite. It was. It was more of a blue pill, red pill. Yeah. Also, the probe was in his nose and not in his belly button, so it wasn't a dick. It was just (laughs) just a bug. Right, right. A lot of rubber Arnold heads in this movie. Yes. There's like a lot five. of rubber mm-hmm. Arnolds. Yep. <laughs> I was digging it, though. For the time. I mean, I know it's dated. The The whole time I'm watching, I'm thinking, George is going to hate this. Because I hadn't seen it in so long. But, again, Nostalgic Travis loves it. Mm. Because this came out in 90. So I was a freshman in high school. So it's like in my wheelhouse. Plus it's Schwarzenegger at his... Not his peak. I think this might be peak Schwarzenegger, man. Uh, well, yeah, T two. So I guess T two was ninety one. So yeah, yes, yeah, his peak. What this year was is, this? This was ninety. Hmm. So he was like coming off of Twins, coming off of. I don't. I don't usually think about Twins when I think about the peak Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, that's I don't when he was his most. Uh, I guess the word is versatile. <laughs> I mean, he was doing comedy. He was doing action. He was doing drama. I always feel like touching twins and everything. And kindergarten Cop and Last Action mm-hmm. Hero—that's all on the downfall. In kindergarten Cop's pretty good, though. I do it have to is, say. and it has Carol Baker, which I think right. we've talked about before. But yes, yeah. So Total Recall, then Kindergarten Cop, then Terminator Two. Yeah, I mean, he does uh, other stuff. I forgot about Eraser, and I mean, you can't forget Jingle all the way. <laughs> yeah, the two movie that makes were, a joke out something. of male bombs. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, yeah, twins is before this. Red Heat, Running Man. God, yeah, this man owned the eighties. Yes, he did. Now the eighties, George, were a time before the nineties <laughs> and after <laughs> the seventies. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Yes, I am familiar with the decade. Yes. Okay, good. Glad we got that cleared up. Yeah, yeah. I think Running Man would be a a, a good companion piece to this as well. I love Running Man so much. I'd watch that right now. Pause the show. Mm. Let's go watch Running Man. <laughs> Come back and report on how they're almost the same movie, but like different. Very weird. I mean, we could technically do us just a, a a summer fall break of just Schwarzenegger movies because they're they're iconic. Some of them suck. Some of them are great. But we won't do that. We won't do that to you. Jason was enough. But is Running Man a uh, Schwarzenegger movie? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's very good. But it, again, it's it's like what eighty seven. So right around when Predator came out. Predator was 87 as well. Mm. So Running Man might have been right before that or right after that. Yeah, same year. So Same year. Heck of a mm. year, man. Yeah, he was he was it. 
He was the the one everybody that we've watched wanted to be. You know, he's a beautiful man. <laughs> Terrible actor. <laughs> I don't know. I like his acting. <sighs> I I mean, it's endearing, but again. But all the, the noise you were referring to earlier, the, yeah. that's a lot. There, there's a <laughs> lot of that lot. in this movie, too. That's like Nicolas Cage, uh, Jim Carrey stuff. But you know that's been directed. Like, you can tell he was so iconic that they were giving people lines from his other movies in this movie. <laughs> like, when that old lady's like, uh, fuck you, asshole. Like, that's from Terminator. Like, she, oh. they just threw in <laughs> I loved his, his lines. his little bow afterwards. I was just like, yeah, yeah all right. <laughs> I love the hat, love the bow, digging it. And I don't know if you get a movie like Fifth Element without this movie. Oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. The world building they do in this is underrated because the action is so squibby. There's squibs all over the place. Super violent Mm -hmm. movie. You forget because it's so cartoonish because of all the red and all the, uh, you know, the matte painting it looks like the a green, green screen. screen, but not. I don't <laughs> think it's green screen. I think a lot of it's matte. Right. Uh, but it might be matte on green screen. I, you know, I need to watch a making of featurette to find out. Lots of mm. miniature work. Uh, God, that hovercraft oh, yeah. in this one. I mean, it's like the perfect example of what I was talking about with Westworld, where if you put too much of it on the screen, it doesn't matter how much you spent, it still looks like crap. It reminded me of like a Disney World's uh, view of what Mars would look like. I like a lot of the large scale stuff that they're you know mm. like the cliffside on mars lots of stuff moving in small detail i think they do a real good job executing that i don't know that they do like a significantly better job than mario bava did 20 years earlier in planet of the vampires which okay. we're probably never going to watch but he made that movie for like 15 dollars. okay and yet it looks almost as good as this in mm. fact they rip uh, the story of it off in alien planet of the vampires Okay. So maybe we will watch it. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Should be well, called Planet this... of the Zombies, though, because they're not vampires, they're zombies, but whatever. Okay. Whatever. Well, I had read that the movie went through like 40 script revisions and like seven directors, and at one point Patrick Swayze was cast as Quaid before they got Schwarzenegger, and it got shelved, and then Schwarzenegger got involved, and he wanted to be you know, involved, so then everybody jumped on board again. So it it was a floated around for like 15, 20 years, the script, which is funny because I think Blade Runner came out in 82, so the writer of that started getting, started getting involved in this pretty early, so I don't know how how he got removed from it or if he was always the writer, but I, I didn't see his name in the final credits, so I don't know if he's still being credited as the writer, but I think he was original script was Phil... Philip Dick, I think his name was. Yeah, Philip K. Dick, PKD. <laughs> uh, I don't know what nerds call Philip K. Dick, but I assume they don't <laughs> call him PKD. Uh, Maybe Phil Dick. They might. But Phil Dick's a good name. He's a he's a good writer. He's very influential on this genre. Yeah. The thing about this, you don't get Total Recall unless you have Blade Runner make as much of a splash as it did. Right. But the thing that George will come to understand when he sees Blade Runner. And then he goes back and watches RoboCop again because, God damn it, watch RoboCop again. Uh, once he's do- once he does that, he'll start to be able to see the parts of this movie that are still left over from PKD mm-hmm. and then what they changed to make it a Verhoeven movie and what they did to make it a Schwarzenegger movie. Right. This is not 
the story as it's written, right? This is an Arnold movie somewhat adapted from a story that supposedly they licensed, but like heavily adapted for Arnold. If you get Patrick Swayze in this movie, it's a different movie. Right. It's probably a lot more Blade Runner. But by combining Verhoeven coming off of Robocop and Schwarzenegger coming off of Commando, you know. Off of everything. <laughs> I mean, he got to the chopper and yeah. now he's here. It was just a short story that they they worked from for script, right? My understanding is too, uh, PKD is, is deceased at this point. So okay, he's not, you know, he doesn't get a too much of a say in how they're going to ruin his story to make it all about an atmosphere on Mars. But, but I mean, back then was, was they just took his, they got the rights from his short story and that was it kind of like a Stephen King thing where they just wrote from his, they wrote the script from his short story. That's my understanding. Okay. So he, yeah, they pay, he, his estate gets paid for the licensing of the story, but he doesn't get a writing credit, that kind of thing. Gotcha. But that's my understanding. I, uh, could have some bad, Information because the IMDb lists him uh, as the first writer, but just mm-hmm. for the short story. Well, I think Dan O'Bannon was involved too at some point. Danny O'Bannon. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's some heavy hitters involved in this movie. So, I think any of the roll of the eyes that George might have had, it just comes from it being dated. Like, it's just, it's very dated. Well, I mean, they're it going for a home for run here too. I mean, they're not. Trying to, you know, keep this one in the park for a single. They're trying to knock this thing all the way to Mars and back. And mm. that's a big swing. I would say they nailed it mostly. What do you think, George? Did you believe Mars? Were you feeling the world building of this movie? Um, yeah. I mean. Was it better than the Westworld kind of world building? Um, no, I actually like the Westworld. World, world building. Well, at least I like the West World. I didn't understand the other two, <laughs> but <laughs> well, the the world in which Delos has a park called West World, and Medieval World, and Rome World, and the the greater world that exists outside those park walls, did that feel as organic as this world that exists purely in like a small section of Mars, and then? a couple of locations on earth. I would say that the world itself was more natural in Westworld. Hmm. Right. This world, you know, you know, Mars had mutants. There were a lot of mutants. Um, this, this world had, uh, a psychic tummy monster, (laughs) a psychic tummy monster. Come on. Coato is awesome. Um, (laughs) A straight up evil man, yeah, president or dictator or whatever. Who later goes on to start um, (laughs) the police force in Detroit? Actually, earlier, (laughs) uh, yeah, Yeah. coming off of a successful run of being Dick Jones and RoboCop and being thrown the hell out of a building, he lands on his feet and ends up on Mars. Yeah. That's why he had those really big, really big arms as he's falling out of the building in RoboCop. Those are wings. He's taking off toward Mars. Or maybe RoboCop was another dream done by uh, Recall. Ooh, no. Mm, I don't think so. No? Maybe everything is just Recall. God, wouldn't that maybe. make everything make more sense? 
Well, this could be a universe, because I did hear a bunch of predator noises, so I'm wondering if that's part of the same universe. Mm. Do you hear those predator noises all the time, or only no. when you're watching this movie? When they were in the Do reactor. Do other people hear the predator noises, too? <laughs> I only hear them. When, I, when they were in the reactor, I heard the noise for the laser, his uh, helmet target okay. was in there, and there was another noise, I believe, oh, uh, the detonation countdown noise was in there from when the bad guy what's his name Cohegan uh, was going to detonate the reactor and he dropped the detonator it had like a self-destruct sound okay so if the reactor this this is why it's definitely a dream it better be um if the reactor was like the threat to his power and all he had to do is blow it up why didn't he blow it up already? I don't think it was ever a threat. I think the threat was losing control and it power absolu- over the people. Absolutely is a threat to his power. If someone turns that reactor on and it makes a atmosphere. They don't need him. They don't need him. It's right. a threat to his power. So why wouldn't he, when he found it, just like be like, oh, crap, what should I do with this thing? Well, I should probably disable it or destroy it, make it so that it can't be used. There might be a whole subplot there of him trying to figure out how to harness the power and not wanting it to become uh, natural power. Like once once he, the people know that you can create atmosphere with that thing, he has no more power anymore. So he's, I don't. Even, I at some point I was like, is he? Why is like you said? Why is he blowing this up? Because he doesn't want it to why create hasn't atmosphere. He, why hasn't he blown it up already? Cause I don't know. Why hasn't he deactivated it? Or like maybe he didn't know how to. He needed Jeff Goldblum. He needed Jeff Goldblum. Hack into that alien tech. <laughs> uh, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> Must go faster. Oh man! Speaking of predator noises, I loaded up the uh, the name it song tonight onto <laughs> YouTube. I saw that our debut on YouTube as we <laughs> slowly. We'll hopefully start putting old podcasts on there so that the the YouTube crowd can also get to know us. Yes. And you know, they, you always hear bad things about the YouTube algorithm. Uh, at least I always hear bad things about the YouTube yeah. algorithm and how if you leave it unchecked, it will like inherently bring you into like the dark facets of the internet just on its own. Mm. Yeah. And so the uh, the first time I watched the video to make sure it uploaded all the way, the next <laughs> suggested video was... A Chris Hansen video. Oh my god! And I was just like, "YouTube, go home. You're drunk. This was a right. Rambo video with techno beats. Why are you trying to take me to Chris Hansen? Why don't you come and take a, have a seat? Oh my god! What YouTube? Maybe I don't want to be on YouTube. Me too. I know. I know. It's Ugh. smarmy. Ugh. It's it has its corners of smarminess. Just stay out of it. YouTube is my favorite social media platform. I do watch a lot of things on there, so I listen to it it's my while I'm working. Favorite between comedians, old stand-up, yeah, uh, commentary, yeah, reactions. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy it. I try to stay out of the uh, the rabbit hole, but every once in a while, you end up in a rabbit hole. They just send you something on the side. You're like, hmm, I'm really curious. <laughs> Don't click those links. Don't, <laughs> Don't click those click links em. unless they're from the remedial film class. Film class in which case, right? click those <laughs> links. Click away and smash that button. Oh, smash that man. like button. 
Now my kids are walking around the house going, name it, name it, name it, name, name it. it, name it, name it. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, I might have ruined Rambo for my children. Like by the time they're old enough to watch Rambo, they're going to be like, oh, it's the name it guy. It's the name it song, yeah. Oops. <laughs> my my four-year-old daughter, I know you don't watch Walking Dead, but there's a there's a scene where Negan uh, calls somebody creepy as shit, and my daughter says that. She doesn't know what she's saying. Oh, that's really funny. He's like, you looking at me creepy as shit with that smile? And she says, Dad, it's creepy. She doesn't say shit, but she says it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, she's a sponge. So I'm, I think I'm going to keep her away from Total Recall and Rambo as well. A lot of violence. Have you ever watched the show Magic City? No. It was like a two-season run on, I want to say, Stars about 10 years ago. It has Negan. In the lead role is like this uh, casino owner or nightclub owner. It's been a while since I watched it. It's a filthy show. Do not mm-hmm. watch it with your kids. But watch it because he's amazing in it. Like I get why, amazing. even having not watched Walking Dead, my coworkers love him. And I get mm-hmm. it because the guy has the it factor. Yeah, he has it. And he's real Definitely. good on that show. And he's not killing people like he was in Watchmen where you you get that he's a cool guy with the it factor, but he also commits atrocities, so you can't love him. Mm. But but on Magic City, he's not committing any atrocities, so you can just bask in his coolness. Yeah, it's kind of like Lecter with him sometimes. It just like takes the regular line, and you're just like, damn, that, yeah. was, that was good. Yeah. Kind of like Arnold. <laughs> what? He, <laughs> no. he committed no atrocities. You know what's funny Ooh, about this he movie? he was in Batman and Robin. Mm. Yes, he was. Hmm. Cool party. <laughs> <laughs> what killed the dinosaurs? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> that script makes me want to jump off a bridge. Are we going to watch um, that next week still? God, we no. taking that off? <laughs> oh, yeah, we list? have that. That's in the schedule. That's never. In the, it's in the queue. That I will never watch that movie. Hey, Freeze, I'm Batman. <laughs> what? <laughs> he just the said the card. line. Never leave home without it. Ugh. He's got a charge card with a Batman logo on it. Come on. Ugh. George look at me like, I'm never watching that. Good, don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. Um, the acting in the beginning of this movie, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Dan, but I honestly think it was on purpose. I thought the acting was fine in this movie, but I have really low <laughs> expectations because it's an Arnold movie <laughs> now, from 1990. The acting, I'm talking about even Sharon Stone and Ironside, like everybody kind of gradually became real. Like, in the beginning, they all seemed kind of soap opera, hokey, corny, like, almost waiting for your line. Nobody was on top. Like, there, there's a that volley in, in dialogue sometimes. No, she was on top. Yeah, but when you watch it, it's um, it's almost like, because she's an Oscar award I'm winning. Just, I'm just kidding. She was she on was, top. She was physically yes, on top. Yes, she yeah. was on top. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, later in her <laughs> career, she becomes, you know, Sharon Stone from Casino. But this movie... You could tell she got the movie just because of the way she looks. Like, she's just not, mm. she was not lighting that screen up with anything but her looks. Right. And I thought she you was put, fine. I don't know. Maybe I'm just not critical. No, she was good. She was fine. She was fine. But, uh, again, when you have to act with Arnold, you're, I think you're, <laughs> you're a bit handicapped. You know, you've got a real anti-Arnold bias here. I love Arnold. I'm almost concerned about adding Mm -mm. him at the end of this episode because he might come and (laughs) kick your butt in. He would say, I know I'm not a good actor. I know it. He's right. He would say that. (laughs) (laughs) 
What is this fucking Thai business? Like he's like he has great delivery, <laughs> but he has z- almost zero acting ability. If that makes sense, like he's not doing any character study. He's he's himself, and that's it. Actually, the biggest character study he did was when he played. Uh, he wasn't playing Quaid. He was who was the 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 informant, the guy in the TV screen. I don't know. He's it, like on the credits. It only. Says, says that Quaid. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Quaid. Right. So, what's the name of the character that he that Quaid is supposed to be? I forget. But I know. Yeah. The, the, the special agent. The special guy. agent. The guy on the screen. Yeah. That yeah. was Arnold acting. Like and he was, he was good. Soldier guy. Yeah, was he was good. Scary. Yeah, it was good. It was. <laughs> he was not Arnold. He was very like calm, cool, collected, almost kind of a dick. Yeah. You know, he was playing many levels. At first, he's his best friend. You know, you're me. And then when Mm -hmm. you find out he's part of it, then he's a dick. So he was actually doing his best acting there. When he's Arnold, it's just like watching Nicolas Cage or whoever. Like, they're going to be Keanu Reeves. They're going to be them, no matter what they're in. If they're playing playing Wyatt Earp or if they're playing, uh, you know, Bill and Ted. Like, they're always going to be Keanu Reeves. They're always going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger. So when he does act, it's almost like, wow, that's rare. Because mm. why do you have to act? You're making $30 million a movie being you. Could you be any more Arnold? <laughs> Could you be any more? But see, once he found out, I, I guess when he found out his coworker was part of it, when he, I guess he was in the dream, and they start pulling guns on him and stuff, that's when he kind of comes up to, when everybody kind of comes to speed and becomes... They're not acting anymore. Everybody was kind of great. But that first 25 minutes, I was like, ooh, George is going to, ooh. <laughs> it's very hard to talk about this movie because the entire time, it's it could be a dream, right? So all of the things that happen that don't make sense or all the coincidences or all the whatever, if it's a dream, like none of the stuff that we're talking about matters. It's just nonsense in someone's brain. Mm. I think it's real. You think it's real? I think there was a... I think the story's right. I think he was kind of taken away from the situation and given that alternate identity to keep him out of the Mars situation. But I don't know, because they didn't show enough of like the travel. Like All of a sudden, he's just in Mars. Like it could yeah, be. Yeah, I head. actually rewound it because I was like, "Did I miss the part where he went to Mars?" Right. Like he's at Mars already, and I rewound it. And I was like, "Oh, it's like the Truman Show." That's to it. me, it was like, you know, how much of this is is he going to like get to the very end and hit the wall and find the exit door? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Dan? Was it a dream or or was it real world? Well, my understanding of the original story, uh, by PKD Philip K. Dick. <laughs> Which, Duke. I mean, that's a pretty fun name, honestly. It we is. should just be leaning into Philip K. Dick. <laughs> Phil K. Dick. Sharon Stone K's a lot of dicks in this movie. Did you notice that? Oh that God. lady hates yeah, she does. Arnold's dong. She, <laughs> I mean, every scene she's in, she kicks him or punches him square in the balls. Like, yeah. what has she got against that man's balls? I don't know. Anyway. She's uh, so hot, though. The original story, uh, we can remember it for you <laughs> wholesale. <just> <laughs> I've never actually sat down and read the thing. I'm not a big sci-fi guy, and PKD is not one that I've ever read much of his stuff. But my understanding is that the short story itself deals with perception in a way that this movie does not. Mm. And my virtual virtual reality kind of thing. Well, just it. it, I think it more coherently 
plays with the idea consistently throughout the story is, you know, is this just an implant or is this actually happening? This movie, guys, it plays it pretty straightforward that it is what it is on the surface. Mm. And then it brings in that ending of like, maybe it's all a dream, but like, it's like a wink at the audience, fourth wall breaking kind of thing. The plot itself is only consistent if it is not a dream and they do accidentally awaken whatever's hiding in his brain. Hmm. So it's not a dream in the movie, but the movie slyly is like, but maybe it's a dream (laughs) at the end. (laughs) Wink, wink. Hmm. But in the story, it may be a dream or it may be 50-50 debatable, but the movie, man, it's pretty straightforward. Like I went in today, open-minded, keeping score, dream, not a dream, and it's it's not a dream, dudes. It's real, which is weird. The only thing that doesn't make it look real is those, those damn cabs look like they're from like 1982. I do dig the <laughs> like, cabs. They look like they're out yeah. of Blade Runner, like straight off yeah. a Blade Runner well, set, which is fun. But they should have covered the tires. I mean, they look like junkyard tires from... from <laughs> There's a lot of things like that. But I don't know. There's a lot of things like that. Like you spend the time to have the robotic driver and you have, spend the time to make it look like uh, Richard Picard. And you get his voice, but then you have this car from like 1972 <laughs> with some weird fenders. And it's just like, ah, you know? Yeah, it's just like kind of like square looking, but it's just the same thing. Yeah, and they're having these huge car chases with these go-karts. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like, I mean, it's maybe, it's just, maybe it's just because it's 2021 and these things don't, you know, these things aren't amazing anymore. But like, there's a lot of things that are, I guess, supposed to be futuristic in this movie that just aren't. Well, yeah, I mean, Back to the Future 2 came out, what, like 87-ish? Okay. So 88? And what was this? And you said 90s. This was 90, and the cars in Back to the Future Part 2 were way more futuristic. Yeah, like, like take, for example, the telephone. Hmm. The telephone that shows someone's face on it. Yeah. like Flintstone style. Oh, my we have God. that now, man. <laughs> we have that. It's a face That's time. so futuristic. Hmm. Simpsons did it four years prior. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but that was the thing in the 90s. Like, everybody wanted a video phone. And I don't know mm. why. I still don't know why anyone wants to see my face on the phone. Yeah, that's weird. That was also in Back to the Future 2, I believe. But the it's video been, phone. yeah, I mean, they've been doing video phone in one form or another. I mean, Westworld had it. Westworld had it. So yeah. Dick Tracy had it on his watch. The wall go. that can turn into a TV. I did yeah. like that. It's like, woo, so futuristic. Like, we can go to Mars and this is what, like. <laughs> I don't know, like the t, te- like the wall that can turn into a TV. It's like, how about just like something that you can stick your head into, that like totally change. Oh wait, they have that. What's that? That can just like change your reality. Mm. Oh George. Oh Sorry. Well, George. I, I, I just, it kind of has that same thing. Like you didn't see Demolition Man, but it has. It's hard to see a new world. In the future, when it looks like it's from the past, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like it's, why you know your brain doesn't let you wrap so, it. If it's so, if it's so important that we keep certain areas of the planet oxygenated so that people can live, why make everything out of glass? Why, why Heat? breakable glass? It's like a like a greenhouse. Because it's a view they want to see. You flew all the way to Mars. You would want to see it. It's it's <laughs> you. Could, we have technology to get to Mars, but we don't have technology to make unbreakable glass yet. Hmm. Like. All right. I hate this movie. Thanks, George. 
That's why I'm. Th- that's why I'm thinking like it had. Not. I'm not saying it has to be a dream, but I'm like, if these things are, if this is his dream, then this is just his brain making up nonsense. Right. In which case, this movie's okay. But if this is supposed to be real, it's like hmm, there's so much plot stuff that's just like Here. not doing it for me. See, I think what drew me in is the practical effects. I really, when I was. Yeah, no. I like the practical effects. The three the, boobs was great. Um, <laughs> well, even like, like the mute, all, all the, the mutant faces, effects were really sweet. They were all cool. Quato was cool. Now the you look hand, at him. Yeah. What's his name? The taxi driver's hand yeah. that like came out and it was like, oh, he's a mutant. He's cool. And then he was not cool. He was not cool. <laughs> um, I don't understand why if if all of this was just a a plan to get him back to Mars, why they shot so many innocent people in the process. Uh, but like I think his plan was to bring him back to infiltrate the rebellious group. Yeah, why did they have to shoot so many like I think that just it's it's that whole mentality of everybody's expendable. You know, the just, that reminded me of RoboCop. Yeah, the bit. ends justify the means. When I, he was like, on the escalator, mm. when he was on the escalator and he was holding the guy up and like yeah. he was just <laughs> oh, using, yeah. him, was using him as a bullet sponge, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Yo, this is getting more and yeah. more ridiculous." I watched that. Kind of like, reminded oh. me of ED two hundred nine a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. It was good, but it almost it was funny because it, it was it was serious when he first did it. Right, and then it, and then it turned into satire by the, real quick by the twelfth or fourteenth <laughs> bullet. And then he turns around. I'm like, what is this airplane? Jesus like, Christ. <laughs> I'm waiting for him to start knocking people over with his body. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it definitely has that Actually, satire. Actually, I progressed feel. because, like, a, a you know season one me would have been like, this is ridiculous, mm. and now I'm just kind of like, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> now you're like, season one George is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, I see what you did there. That's yeah. funny. George it's is ridiculous. Like, I got like three movies to go back and watch now because <laughs> that George sucked. <laughs> At yeah. some point in the next couple of seasons, we are going to have to watch uh, Starship Troopers, which will kind yes. of finish this trilogy of Paul Verhoeven. Verhoeven, yeah. Super violent, futuristic world building. And you can just see how he progresses as a filmmaker from mm-hmm. Robocop through this on to Starship Troopers, but also like the different choices they make and how they present the future in different ways. But you got to stop harping on their technology guessing. I mean, okay, granted, uh, tech nines and Mac tens just with like a block of clay mm. on the front to make them look square <laughs> right. is a little silly. Uh, and the fact that yeah, get, get your prop department to make some friggin' guns. Like really? why aren't you shooting lasers yet? Right. But guys, like here's the other thing. How could they possibly as filmmakers guess what future tech is going to look like? Like they've got to take a guess and they've got to go with a choice. But, I mean, I noticed the serial ports on the computers are still those giant parallel, mm. like your, what your printer used to plug <laughs> in back in the mid-90s. Yeah. And then the flashlights, good God, giant police yeah. incandescent flashlights. Like, there's no way they could ever have predicted LEDs would become what they are. You know why it's not forgivable? Why? Because you had, I mean, this was 90, right? Yeah. You had plenty, including Blade Runner. You had plenty of reference, even like television shows like V. And Alien Nation, the movie Alien Nation, like there's plenty of frames of reference to say, okay, even Star Trek, Star Wars, you know, Star Wars took normal guns and turned them into blasters. It's not hard. You just have to be willing to commit to it. What year did Star Wars come out? 77. 73, uh, 77. So by 83, you had Jedi. So that all happened. Predator happened. Uh, 
even V, like V, the guns they carried in V were just like little laser tag guns, but at least they were shaped like an alien right. race created them. And we're using projectiles still. Yeah. And we can get to Mars, but... Hell, even Rocky Horror Show had... <laughs> like the transvestites had laser beams at the end of the movie. They had, I mean, that was that movie was satire on on crack, mm. and they had it. So, I mean, I can't excuse that to be like, oh, it's nineteen ninety. We don't know what the future is going to look like. Bullshit. Like, I don't know, man. It, it's two thousand twenty one, and we still don't have freaking lasers. <laughs> it's true, but we're getting we there. We have projectiles. I mean, in fact, we're using the same damn guns in the army that we have been essential i mean okay they're a little different now they don't jam as bad yeah but, but I mean, we're, we're talking about the same guns since 1965 right like, but like even on. like 1950 you have you have sci-fi movies that are pushing the envelope i mean but this isn't George a sci-fi is movie this is an action movie that takes place in right. the near future so they didn't decide to be star wars they made a choice to not be Star Wars. Right. So you may not agree with that choice, but it's not like they didn't know Star Wars was a thing and they were just like, oh, let's just put some clay on these guns. Right. No, it was definitely a choice. What I'm saying is that what you said was they made that choice based on certain things, and I'm saying that there was plenty of popular mechanics articles that can help you, you know, from 1958 that could have helped you make it look like it was, you know, technology. Like it was Star Wars? Not like it was Star Wars, but if you're if you're advanced enough to have basic communities and colonize Mars and terraform indoor terraforming it on Mars, then you have enough technology to figure out, okay, the guns are gonna be different. I don't know. It's man. the future. If I look into my like civilization tech tree, I can probably get future tech that gets me to Mars without ever upgrading from the M sixteen platform. Well, think about it. Like, Elon Musk is, like, trying to get to Mars, like, nobody's business. Like, that's his thing. Mm. He's trying to get to Mars. Don't hit, doesn't his electric truck kind of look like the cars in this, in this, uh... A little bit. Oh, maybe. yeah, it's definitely got a RoboCop vibe, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I think that maybe Elon Musk took a lot of his, like, inspiration from this movie, maybe. <laughs> you know, for his cars and his reason for living. But what's funny what what Dan's saying like But you, and also we're still using projectiles. Bullets, right. Yeah. Not lasers. So maybe it is more maybe this is more accurate. Maybe this what we're experiencing right is now all dream. is Elon <laughs> Musk's recall. Okay. That's what we're living I'm in. I'm right on now. it. See, I'm thinking like based on the weaponry and whatever what we're talking about. Like if if you look at the idea ooh, of ooh, what, what, ooh, what 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 Elon Musk is Quaid Cohagen? Oh, yeah. So we've got like twenty-five years before he's a bad guy. He's a super yeah. villain on Mars. I mean, he is like a Bond villain, right? Just yeah. incubating, like waiting for the time <laughs> that he's going to take over an island and hold a city hostage with a giant ray gun or with, something. With a giant boulder mount. But then he's going to need I a giant I ray gun. See, I don't <laughs> see Elon being and sharks with lasers. I don't see Elon being like that, though. So, again, to go back, with, you think of a story like Stargate, which I know George has not seen Stargate. Yes, Stargate, of course. You don't know what that is? I have no idea. Okay, so the premise of Stargate is that ancient civilizations like Egypt were inspired by aliens visiting here. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so you look at that movie, which you would probably see at some point. It's a good movie, 
but it shows Egyptian type gear, garb, mm-hmm. weaponry, whatever, but with a alien twist to it where they look like they're Egyptian staffs, but they shoot lasers. Like, well, I mean, there's we, a way we covet okay. what we see, don't we, Hannibal? <laughs> we see every day, right? So they tackled that idea of of okay, time period. They're still going to be more advanced. These are Egyptian type villain aliens, but they look like they're Egyptians until you see their technology. But their technology is still based in what Egyptian people had. If that makes sense. Okay. Like their staffs, their headgear, the dress, the headdresses, everything that you would see in, in hieroglyphics mm-hmm. is explained in this movie as alien armor. Helmets, guns. So they take an ancient art form and wardrobe and whatever, but they explain it in an alien type way. Gotcha. Advanced. Gotcha. So you're like, okay, yeah, they used to draw this guy with a jackal for a head. And it's like, how stupid is that? So then in this movie, it shows you what an alien race would look like wearing these outfits mm. and why the Egyptians drew them. It's a really cool idea when you look at the crossing of civilizations you got this alien race and then you have this ancient civilization they're clashing at one point they're intersecting and you see where we get our inspiration from the alien race that's future meeting past so i'm saying with this movie it's unforgivable to have m16s with clumps of clay on the end no they were mac 10s but (laughs) mac 10s yeah you know the thing is something I like. I would like to hear someone a bit more well versed in it than myself take a, a an Occam's razor approach to the Stargate thing, because it's okay. like here are these humans who live in the desert or near the desert and are exposed to wild animals, and these wild animals are somewhat of a threat, and so they start to kind of form the the forms of these wild animals into kind of superior god beings in their art. Mm. And take that against aliens showed up dressed like these monsters, and so they drew pictures of these alien monsters. Like, Occam's Razor, I'm pretty sure, is going to be like, well, they saw they saw leopards. Leopards are scary, so they made leopard people on their pictures. But well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Stargate, I'm, not, I'm not making an argument for aliens inspiring this Egyptians. This is what you get I'm for just... writing Stargate. <laughs> Such a good idea though it's science cool, fiction wise it's a cool it's a idea. cool idea i don't know if yeah uh, but yeah it's, it's not it's, it's a not neat, based in science let's put it that it's way it's a neat but it's alternative uh yes. explanation for something that we already have an explanation for but it is kind of fun yeah but this movie's fine this movie did a fine job of guessing at what was going to be futuristic it did a better job of showing like an internet kind of thing with mm. the connected computers and everything then Back to the Future Part 2 did. It also covered NSA type shit really well, too. Like, and, and the whole over-secure, over like the airport, they kind of yeah. right on the nose with 9-11 and all that stuff. Like yeah, they really did. The whole body scan, mm-hmm. skeletal pass-through, like all that stuff was very futuristic, but is happening now. You know, listening in. I got a little old, uh, old country, uh, no country for old men kind of feel with the whole tracking system in the head. You know, they're trying, they're trying to catch uh, Quaid, and no matter where he goes, they find him. 
Right. Because he's carrying a tracker, but it's not in a suitcase. It's in his head. Right. Like, all that stuff is was done well in a futuristic, almost like on the nose kind of guess. Like, why does, why does Arnold's character in the screen tell him to take the tracking device out? For what reason? So he could go... I don't know. I, I if he's like, part of if it, all then why of this, would he... if all of this was a plan to get him to Mars, why take the tracker out? Mm. Why? Because it's a dumb spy action movie. The thing that this movie does that annoys <laughs> me, I like this movie, but it goes <laughs> <It's> down. <right> <laughs> off. <laughs> it goes down this path that so, so many spy movies from like 1980 to like now do do, which is you're a spy, you're undercover. Now you're a double agent. Now you're mentor is a double agent for the bad guys so you're like a triple agent but you didn't know it and now and it's just by the end you don't what i have an answer for your question george go ahead to earn his trust i thought that too but i was like it's just in a 1989 90 kind of way actually it was written a lot earlier probably to earn his trust it's him maybe but it's maybe trust himself might be oh, a deep fake. I don't know. Yeah, they, I was going to say, yeah, they probably had deep fakes by then. It's like he's trying to get him, be- if if you believe that the Mars thing is real, he's, he has to get him to believe that he has insiders that are going to help him when he gets there. Because if you remember, his s- s- alter ego gave him all those IDs, uh, told him which name to use at the front desk at the hotel when he gets there. Mm-hmm. Like, he helped him a lot, but then they... They basically retrofit it all at the end by, oh, we did it all on purpose because we wanted you to get be comfortable so you could do what you needed to do to get us to Quato because that was our goal was to kill Quato and his people. So, yeah, maybe they helped him just so that he can get them to that point and then he's expendable. Because you heard him after he leaves the room and Ironside's standing there and, and Cohagen says, kill him. After they just invited him to a party and all. So, so he basically got to the point where, okay, he keeps escaping. We have to get rid of him. We have to kill him. He knows too much, but he, he doesn't know how much. to access the memories, so we got to hook him up to a psychic tummy monster. <laughs> this was after the tummy monster, right? Uh, <laughs> hey, but Michael Ironside, I'm not like in the cult. You know, I'm not really in the fan club. I don't get the monthly newsletter about Michael Ironside right. and his whereabouts. But let me tell you, he's pretty good in this movie. But you know mm-hmm. what he's better in, guys? Starship Troopers. The year before this movie came yeah. out, he has a spoken word uh, part on a Warren Zevon kind of <laughs> progressive rock techno synth song called Run Straight Down. Mm. And he just deadpan michael ironside reads the process of entropy scientific okay. like chemical entropy the song itself is about societal entropy but he's like on rhythm not unlike the name it name it name it okay. song but mm. he's just describing the chemical chemical process of entropy in a very michael ironside's kind of description voice and it's See, like some, part some of the song say, it's really cool huh some would say his uh, his work in Top Gun probably was better. Who was he in but Top I have, Gun? I, I don't remember. He was um, Viper. Which one's Viper? He was the instructor that that uh, Maverick dogfights against during the instructionals. And I need to watch that movie again. Yeah, it's, it's been too long, man. 
I just remember I Goose. I that movie, period. You've never seen Top Gun? Oh, mm. that's on the list. Get your swim shorts ready, George. Yeah, a little beach volleyball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a good movie. It, maybe we'll watch it around when the new one comes out. Ugh. Oh, there's a new one coming out? <laughs> there's a sequel coming out, yeah. Ugh. No spoilers. Hey, you know who else was in this movie for a brief minute? Do you know who Mickey Jones is, George? Mickey Jones? Mickey Jones. I can't say that I do. He was uh, the miner on the train on Mars. He's like kind of a burly guy with a big beard, kind of a mini, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mini yeah, yeah. ZZ Top beard. And he's like, oh, I used to work in those mines, blah, 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 exposition, exposition. Yeah. Yes. He was on Home Improvement. If you ever watched that mm-hmm. TV show, he'd show up in the Benford band yep. who would come and play tools for music. <laughs> uh, and that's why you should know. Uh, the thing about Mickey Jones, <laughs> back in 1960 and six, uh, this little known kind of cult, I don't know, niche guy who nobody's ever heard of named uh, Bob Dylan decided mm. to go electric. You've ever heard these stories about Bob Dylan going electric and... Big old middle finger to the folk crowd, but maybe not. Have you heard these stories, George? Do you know these stories? No. These are like in the Old Testament of folk rock. <laughs> like you need to know these stories. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to tell you the whole story now, but maybe I will. But the important thing is you've heard of a band called The Band. Are you familiar yes. with The Band? Yes. And Levon Helm, the best drummer in rock and roll? Sure. Well, after a couple of shows with Bob Dylan... The band was his backup band, and they got booed off the stage for playing electric in a pretentious, uptight folk crowd. And Levon Helm was like, uh, this sucks. And he quit, and he went and worked on an oil rig. And Mickey Jones stepped in and played drums on a tour where they got booed off the stage every night. (laughs) So if you ever go back and listen to these old, they're awesome (laughs) concerts, because it's like everybody paid for their ticket to go to a show to like hate watch Bob Dylan. And if you ever listen to these live recordings, they're out on like official bootlegs now, which I mean, official bootlegs, whatever. But the first half of the concert is acoustic and the crowd's eating it up. And then he comes out with his electric band and Mickey's on the drums and the whole place is just booing them every time they're quiet, but they stick around and then eventually like Judas, you've never heard these stories. God, guys, no, catch up on your Bob Dylan stories. It reminds me of Blues Brothers, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it very it very much does have a Blues Brothers getting beer bottles thrown at him feel. But this was yeah. real life and about, you know, 15 years earlier. But long story short, the drummer that filled in for Levon Helm on that tour, who played the holy hell out of those drums, ended up in this movie as like a, a former minor. Yeah. Yeah. Mickey Jones. Yeah. Wasn't he in Mask as well? He's in a lot of stuff, man. Yeah, he's like a character. Hundred something movies he was in. Always burly, always giving. He's exposition. probably one of the bikers in uh, in uh, Bronx Tale. <laughs> now you just can't leave. He's really he's the uh, the mechanic in Vacation. Mm-hmm. That guy. Yeah. That guy. That guy played drums. Bob Dylan. Pretty cool. Judas. You've never heard the Judas story, George? No. So they finish Tell up. Tell me about it. They finish up a song. It's like this famous bootleg recording that's been circulating since 1966. The uh, supposedly it's at the Royal Albert Hall that this occurred, but they're saying now that 
they did play a show there on the tour, but this recording was made at a different hall in England. But they okay. finish up one song, and like in between songs, you know, they're tuning live because they didn't have silent tuners yet. So they're getting their stuff together, and you hear somebody in the crowd yell Judas as loud as they can. And there's like this pause, and then like the crowd kind of cheers that guy, and there's some screaming and stuff. And you hear Dylan get off the mic just enough, and he turns to the band and he plays. He says, play it fucking loud, right? And then they hit into uh, like a Rolling Stone, and they just like beat the crowd about the face with their rock, like in a tenacious D way, but real. And by the huh. end of the song, the, the crowd's like, oh, that was kind of cool. Yeah, wow. it's awesome. It, it's on record. You can you can listen to it on the record. Judas, play it fucking loud. Dun, 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 dun. I mean, it's just like whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. Cool. Hmm. Mickey Jones playing drums. You don't believe all that alien stuff, do you? Who? who? <laughs> That's not <laughs> what he says. Yeah, because he's like, oh, it, like Arnold says something about the they're finding alien stuff, and he's like, you don't believe that, right? Arnold was like. Didn't I hear you on a Bob Dylan album? This <laughs> <laughs> fucking Thai business. Didn't you used to play with you? <laughs> play it fucking loud. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's what I need. I need Arnold to sing me a Bob Dylan song. I don't know any. Oh, God. I'm going to have to send you some YouTube links. You got to yeah. you gotta know your Dylan. I mean, I know him when I hear him. Believe me. I know him when I hear just him. Just do... But yeah, I don't know so any of the just words. Do, just do... Uh, like Dylan's Ooh. affect. Well, I know he does. As yeah, as Mr. Tambourine Man. Yeah, that. <laughs> Mr. Tambourine Man. <laughs> Play just sounds a song like Arnold. for me. Oh my! Right? Oh my! The jingle jangle. What? What's the words? <laughs> you know, if uh, God, oh wow! Before I had kids, I could tell you the year. <laughs> Of a recording based on where the effect was. Meg's probably. I like, listened to so much Dylan for a while that it was just like, oh, that's an 82. <laughs> you can hear he's really pushing the. the <laughs> but. <laughs> Welcome to the remedial uh, Bob Dylan, Dylan podcast. Podcast, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the remedial Bob <laughs> Dylan podcast. <laughs> I'm your host. <laughs> Bob Dylan's always an artist that I meant to uh, get into. Dude, that sounds mm. like an invitation. I'm going to send you He's some He's a poet. Shit. Definitely a poet. I've always liked him, but I never really listened to him until like I got older. You're forgetting, Dan. I grew up in a house of doo-wop, um, you know... Uh, bunch of people that would have booed Bob Dylan for playing electric instruments. Yeah, like my, instruments. my parents didn't listen to the Beatles. They didn't listen to Zeppelin. They didn't listen to, like, everything was, you know, Motor City. So when I got old enough and I started hearing classic rock, I was like, like, one of my first art directors used to call me Potsy. Oh, that's pretty good. Because I was, I was always you know, kind of talking about that music and not, and he would try to let me listen to like Rage Against the Machine and all that stuff. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. He didn't like, no, I, I love it now. But <laughs> yeah, you love he it. introduced me to that because whenever we'd listen to radio in the morning, uh, would, Howard Stern would go into classic rock. And I, I'm like, oh God, if I got to listen to another 27 minute long Led Zeppelin song, I'm going to, you know, go play in traffic. What? Mm. Yeah, I just was not. Uh... 
But by the time I got done working with him, I was I was listening to all of it. So you were schooled. I was schooled. And he didn't really have to school me. It was just that it was a taste in music that I never had. You know, I it just wasn't you know, Aerosmith might have been the only you know, early Aerosmith was like the only thing that I was venturing away from other than my nineties music. Like oldies for me were the classics. So when I heard, you know, maybe 80s stuff, like Van Halen type stuff, but I never listened to like alternative until later. That's funny that you like embrace the music that was in your household. Because I did the opposite. I did you? Yeah. (laughs) Well, your parents weren't listening. Well, no, I actually, (laughs) yeah, that's true. Yeah. But I actually, at the time, they were listening to like country music yeah. and like not just not good country music, like popular country music. Oh God, country like music. 1994 like, mullet, yeah. mullet like, country. Yeah. Like Tammy, like Tammy Wynette stuff. Dixie Chicks. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh God, this was later. Ooh. Yeah. Um, now they're just well, the I, chicks, I mean, George, They were listening to George Strait. And George Al- Strait, Alan Jackson, Alan Jackson. Garth Brooks. Yeah, Garth Brooks. I mean, you can do worse. Yeah, that there. wasn't too bad. It was like when they start listening to like Brooks and Dunn, Alabama, you know, early stuff. Like, oh, okay. So, anyways, I hated country music. I couldn't stand country music. I remember, like, my dad's a dry cleaner, right? So, whenever you drop your clothes off of the dry cleaner, they got to put a ticket on them so that they make sure that those clothes get back to you. Anyways, we were ticketing clothes <laughs> like three nights a week or whatever, or however often we did it. And he would have the radio on, and it would be, like, this country station. And, like, every night at the same time, Honky Tonk Badonka Dunk would come on. I'm like, this shit is going to kill me. Fuck this shit. So, Where's my Weezer? No, seriously. So, like, I I just hated country music for the longest time. And I'm, and I'm only recently kind of dipping my toe back into country music mm-hmm. and appreciating it. Oh Old my. Old country music, yeah. good country music. See, my introduction to country music was Elvis. That's not really country. Uh, I mean it is, but yeah, it's not. I mean, some also. of his not I'm not talking about his rock and roll, like I'm talking my mom had every album. So I was hearing like I thought wasn't know, he like more gospel before it he was It was gospel, it was country. Like he he was he dabbled in a lot. Yeah. So my take and that and maybe like Dolly Parton like from TV shows that who were the sisters? Dolly Parton's amazing. Yeah, there were there was a few the Mandrell sisters. Like my my mom would watch some of that. She was supposedly related to Sally Star, so she kind of had a connection. Isn't to, everybody? Everybody apparently is. Yeah, but like rodeo. Like my mom was into country, but she never played it around me. It was always the oldies. Until I found her albums, I'm like, oh my god, what is this? What's what's the What's the Grand Old Opry? I don't even know what this is. <laughs> What's the Grand Old Opry? <laughs> you know, other than Hee Haw, you know, what kind of reference? And the man, I think Mandrell had a show at one, Barbara Mandrell. But there really wasn't much country stuff going on unless you had you had to find it. When I was a kid, you're mm. ten, you know, ten years later, country was kind of mainstream when you were a kid. Now it's like rap. <laughs> <laughs> Back then, you had to kind of find it. It was like old school rap. It was like uh, underground. We really ventured away from Total Recall. What oh, happened? I thought yeah, we were talking about... It's a terrible movie. Why are we, like... Oh, it's why a even fine, talk about it? It's a fine it's movie. A fine it's fun. Movie. It's like... It's a classic. It's like whatever. It's a classic. It's like saying... <sighs> they had the opportunity to do, like, an intellectual exercise, and then they instead went full Arnold, Paul Verhoeven, RoboCop mm. world, like... 
but a, a lot of the subtext from RoboCop is gone in this, and it's just too much. Like, I don't know. It had ambitions. I don't know that it really like achieved any of them except to be a popcorn flick. That's basically what it was. But it's fun. It was like popcorn. I flick. enjoyed it. Was, it. I, agree. I agree. I do love <laughs> one thing. I love about this movie is when Michael Ironside's character is getting a little uppity. Dick Jones, whatever. What's his name in this movie? Uh, Ronnie Cox. What's his name? Cohagen. 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 He's just like, I don't give you enough information to think. Yeah. And it's just like, man, if more people understood their own position in the world, maybe they'd chill out a little bit, you know? Like, that's true. Oh, this movie's chock full of (laughs) like commentary when it comes to you know the the iron fist or the you know dictator type leadership all that stuff i was like man dan's gonna have a field day when we talk about this oh man (laughs) it is it yeah it's not something very heavy on that yeah it's a bit on the nose and i think you're gonna see that continue maybe even more so with starship troopers yeah but it's done in a military way so it's not it's not as um it's not like top down it's more like rank it's it's you're not. You're never seeing the people in charge. Charge. You're seeing. Yeah, it's like, like variations the on a theme. Yeah, so it kind of just takes you in that. That to me, and I never saw it as heavy. This movie, it's very heavy-handed. It's like, boom. You have the re- resistance, and then you have the, you know, the, who's in charge, and it's it's basically just textbook dictatorship. Starship Troopers doesn't really touch on that too much, per se. But we'll see if we ever watch it. It's the best one out of the three, oh, and then we'll watch. Man. Then we'll watch Showgirls. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, maybe Basic Instinct. Basic know. Instinct. I think I'm gonna like a lot more this time than the last time I watched it ten years ago because I've been so into the Jalos that I think right. that that aspect of it, I'm gonna be like, oh, I see where they're getting there. Oh, it definitely has that ideas yes. from. You know what's funny? I I had mentioned to uh, Dan about a movie called The Game. Mm-hmm. It's a Michael Douglas movie, mm-hmm. and I think it, it's probably what you're looking for when it comes to this idea. Without the action, it's more like a thriller, <clears throat> and it's very tense. Very, uh, it's not. There's no science fiction to it. There's no action. It's just like a th- flat out like Pelican Brief kind of, you know, thriller. And I think you would probably like that because it has that. It has a lot of the elements of this idea without the genre, without the Schwarzenegger. Like, so, like they have the ability to wipe someone's mind and turn them into someone else. Not movie? so much that, but kind of. Like I don't want to give it away, but it, yeah, it, it definitely has. It's more up your alley. But it's no like it doesn't take place in space. No, it's no. like real, real <clears throat> world stuff. Trying to, trying to make it seem like it happens in and, the real world. Right. And it was directed by uh, David Fincher, so it kind of has that seven um, cinematography, that seven mm. feel, but it's not a horror, it's not a murder, murder mystery, but right. it definitely has a lot of suspense and tense moments. Yeah. So, but it, I don't think it fits in the curriculum, but it's something that you might want to watch. Yeah. There's a moment in this later. movie, after he's killed the four, first four guys, and he kind of mm-hmm. has this moment of realization like, oh, I'm really good at this. I wonder why I'm so good at this. I want you to remember mm. that moment 
because sometime in the coming seasons, I've got a movie that I'm going to make you guys watch that has a very similar moment, but a very different context. But I'm going to hearken back to this exact moment. So just bookmark that in mm. your minds. Dan's going to talk about that later. Like when he's looking at his hands. Yeah, like, whoa. After he kills the mm-hmm. four guys. Whoa, what did these hands do before I knew them? Yes. I always thought, I, I guess since he died, they couldn't do it, but I always thought that would be a good idea for a Bruce Lee movie. Would have been like him discovering, not knowing that he's that badass of a fighter, but actually discovering it through situation. Mm. Like yeah, he has amnesia cool. or whatever, and then he finds out how badass he is. I don't know if it's ever been done before, but I see him, you know, there's plenty of other people who do that, like a Chuck Norris or Jackie Chan or whatever, but I think Bruce Lee would have, because of how he fought, would have been cool to see him discover that ability. You know, when Sharon Stone wasn't going straight for the family jewels, she had some pretty good form in her fighting mm. today. I was impressed with the training they'd done with her. And her Z Cavaricci suit. <laughs> was so 90s. I should probably preface this whole show with the fact that right before I watched Total Recall, I watched 1986's The Eliminators, which includes a character called the Mandroid, who is like kind of a Terminator ripoff, but who has tank treads at different points of the movie. Mm. So maybe I lowered my expectations such with that movie (laughs) that this movie seemed really, really good for a while. I don't know. I liked it, but yeah, there's some... They could have done more, but I'm glad they didn't because if they had, not as many people would have liked it. Mm. I do find it a little yeah. weird that the original story was written in like 66 and has like a almost a Manchurian candidate kind of edge yeah. to it from what I was reading. That's interesting. But I guess that well, was funny. in the zeitgeist think, uh, at the time. Philip Dick also wrote Minority Report. PKD. PKD. Now that... <laughs> he wrote Minority Report. Minority so. Report is a great futuristic movie. Yeah. Well, it's like 30, 40 years after he wrote this. Yeah. So, again, like Westworld, you know, Michael Crichton makes Westworld, and then he writes Jurassic Park. Yeah. So it's like it's it's he gets a 30-year do-over. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what Minority Report was for this. Like, he was like, okay. And actually, in his defense, he didn't write the script for this. He just, it was just right. his idea that they used. So, you know... When was that, like 2003? That sounds about right. Yeah, so the technology was there. I think if this movie was made... I mean, they did the remake with with, um, Colin Farrell, which technically it looks better and it feels better because the the effects are there, but it's just not not the same when Arnold. The remake of of this movie? Yeah. There's a remake of Total Recall? Yeah. There is. Word. I think... I think I own it. I don't know, but you can probably borrow it. It's yeah. just it. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. I just bought it because it was in a in a a lot of other movies that I bought. Word. Hey George. Eventually, I watch it. Yeah. You remember last week when we were listening or we were discussing Westworld, and you were like, "Yeah, robots," yeah. and I was like, "You've got an anti-robot bias," and you were like, "Oh, what if they <laughs> yeah. just had like." chips that went in people's minds that like changed how they thought and gave them memories and stuff. You remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. <laughs> we didn't know that, that was, you were going to say that and we already had this movie planned, <laughs> but I, I might've peed a little when you said that I was so happy. <laughs> so that's funny in the latest edition of be careful what you wish for. Uh, yeah. 
what do you think? Uh, was this movie closer to what you could stand? Yeah, definitely. We're on the right path. Definitely. <laughs> next, up next, The Eliminators with Mandroid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. It had some pretty cool practical effects, but the actual like Mandroid suit looked like foam rubber. Like the guy looked like Kano from Mortal Kombat oh, One. I was just gonna say Kano. Yeah, it was very you sent Kano. Me that picture. Very That's silly. funny. <laughs> like, ugh. a lot I of fun. Know. I don't know how you do explosions it. Explosions though. boom. My meter goes off when I see like a picture like that. I'm like, yeah, I'm not watching that ever. <laughs> <laughs> And Dan's like, bring it on. Yeah, man. Put it in my eyes. Why not? Yeah. You can see the you can see the (laughs) sunglasses lens (laughs) in that makeup that they just put latex around. You can see it. Mm -hmm. But I'm gonna watch it anyway. (laughs) Put it in my eyes. Put it in my eyes. (laughs) My name is not Quid. (laughs) Oh man. Ay ay ay. Ay ay ay. So hey, uh, what are we gonna watch next? So we're going to go a different route now. We've shown you enough action films for a while, I believe. Okay. But we are going to tie up a loose end that we've been doing two seasons of, and that is uh, okay. what, what have we been pretty much covering. What do you mean? The Jalo slasher. Stabby stab. Stabby stab. Stabby stab. yeah. So we're going to be bookending it. With we Halloween started no, <laughs> we started with Psycho, mm-hmm. and we will bookend it with Scream. Okay, we're gonna watch Scream, and you're gonna. What do you know about Scream, by the way? Before I say anything, um, now we're talking about 1980s Scream, correct? The one from 1980 that nobody's ever seen and isn't any good. That's the one, right? Oh yeah, the one with um <laughs> Morgan Fra- Fairchild. Is she in that? That'd be amazing. <laughs> Who's in the original? I haven't ever seen the original Scream. I hear it sucks balls. Even I the, wasn't willing to watch it. Let's see. 1980s wait, Scream. There was an original Scream? Well, it's, it's just a movie that happens to be called Scream. It has nothing oh, to do okay. with Yeah, we're not watching it. Whatever the movie ends up being. Scream Queens. I don't want to. <laughs> Could you imagine queens. if I watched that movie by accident? <laughs> oh my gosh. That's why we always George tell you the year. Because it's like. He's, well, yeah, don't. he's going to have that meme. I think I got the wrong Scream movie. <laughs> 1981. Here you go. 81. A group of friends on a rafting trip down a river stop at an old ghost town to spend the night. Mm. That doesn't sound so bad. It's yeah, got a I guy named Pepper Martin in it. Mm. That's a fun name. Sounds like they're doomed. They're doomed. <laughs> So what do you know about Scream? I'm sure you have. I know about of it. the mask. Okay, like the Scream mask. Um, I don't know. I think it's like a. Uh, I think the killer is kind of like a stalker, kind of like a preys on people. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, scares them, scares the shit out of them, maybe kills them. I'm not sure. Hmm. All I know is the mask. Really. Okay. All right. Well, at that, we'll leave you here. Uh, we'll see you back in two weeks for Wes Craven's Scream. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook.com slash Remedial Film Pod. You can always find us at Twitter and Instagram as well, at Remedial Film Pod. And you can even email us, but don't email us. We'll see you back here in two weeks. Is there anything we need to tell him, Dan? Or are we? Uh... No, I think this one... I think you have enough knowledge now of the genre 
to pick up on Enjoy all the little it. hints and stuff that they throw for fan service, but I think you also now understand the formula enough that when they vary from it, you're going to be like, oh, I see what they did, and okay. I appreciate it. This is the payoff. This is your, uh, see what you, how, how much you've been paying attention to the genre. Yeah. There will be this a is test. that movie. There will, there, there will <laughs> there be will a multiple be choice test. Bring your number two pencil. You should put together a real multiple choice test for me. Oh God, I really should. That would be awesome. I could take it. What's your favorite scary movie? <laughs> scary movie? I don't know. Mm. Okay. Well, a definitive, what? definitive answer from George. He doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know. I'm trying to think of like scary movies. I don't. Know, are slashers supposed to be scary? Yeah, they were at one point. My favorite scary movie. I'm the, really excited about this. By the way, the I'm, I'm hiding it. <laughs> the Notebook. The Notebook is yeah, scary. It's yes. <laughs> scariest movie. <sighs> Rachel McAdams, man, she'll do that to you. Yeah, Megan says that I did watch uh, that other movie that I said I didn't watch, the Tom Cruise movie, Top Gun. Top Gun. Yeah, she said I did. Wa- I watched it with her. She said, bow, "No, bow, must bow, must bow. not have had an impact on you." Bow, bow, bow. Most people know when they've seen that bow, movie. Bow. <laughs> bow, 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 bow. I love that, <laughs> Cassie. I think that's the second time I've sung that on the show. I really dig that old crappy keyboard uh, synth sound. 